the two of the followers. Somebody mentioned that I should probably let you know about me a little bit. Uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name's Tim Lester, and um, my family and I moved to, to New Zealand back in 1990 to be involved with Baptist churches, and I'd done that up until a few years ago when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and been wa- walking a journey with Parky since then. Uh, but I continue to be involved in people's lives and sharing what I know about Christ and what I've learned from Him. And uh, so one of the things that was exciting to me was though I don't have the energy or the ability to pastor a church full-time, I could still uh, share the the Word to a larger group of people who wanted a journey with me. And the other thing that motivated me to do this was I turned 64 this year. And, you know, 64 is a pretty... Uh, notorious year for baby boomers are a song uh, it was, there was a song written by the Beatles that was predictive of when we reached 64 and the questions we would ask and um, all I can say about my wife of 40 years Kitty is that she still loves me still needs me feeds me with robust commitment um, and I feel the same way better when I was 64 now we'll get on and go back to the episode 2 of following. Thank you. I was at a good friend's house the other day and we were talking about various people and uh, their spiritual uh, interest and condition and where they were in their life in Christ. And My friend kept using this uh, statement uh, when referring to people as to whether or not they go to church. This guy doesn't go to church anymore. This one does go to church. This one doesn't go to church. Uh, and I thought uh, good guy. Um really solid, committed believer, but uh, wondered if going to church was a, an appropriate metaphor for what it means to be connected with Jesus Christ. Uh, I picked up a magazine the other day, a uh, local New Zealand magazine about one of the denominations and the national leader, the uh, retiring national leader, wrote an article about church attendance and uh, how it had declined about 25%. Uh, 35% among children, uh, and uh, how people were, instead of making a uh, a policy decision to, to, to attend church, they were making a decision 52 weeks a year. But I came away thinking, if wondered if that was an adequate way to summarize the spiritual condition of a denomination, simply by whether people attended church, whether they gathered in the building. And it makes me wonder if we need a, a more suitable, more appropriate metaphor to uh, describe our involvement with Jesus Christ and how we could address one another to find out our spiritual condition and how we're doing and what our pursuits are in life. Hello, my name's Tim Lester, and uh, you've wandered your way to a podcast called The Following as we investigate what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and how that uh, has affected the life of the church throughout the centuries. The Apostle Paul in uh, before he was an apostle, before he was a Christian. In Acts 9, it says of him still using the name Saul. It says he was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples when the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters uh, to the synagogue at Damascus so that he might be found, that, that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Paul asked for a letter so that he found people who were involved or belonged to what he referred, or the uh, Acts referred to as the way. In Acts chapter 11, 
the, the church had grown because of the persecution in Jerusalem and the church was scattered and the people wound up in uh, Antioch and began to preach the gospel and, and they were blessed with the the fruits of conversion and the Holy Spirit and, and uh, so Barnabas, one of the uh, elders of the church, went to Tarsus to look for Saul who's now a a believer, when he found him, he brought him with him to Antioch, says in Acts 11. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people the foundations and fundamentals of, of the, the what needs to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But it says, and in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. I did a little bit background on, on that, and uh, it's pretty well believed that though the church was first called Christians, it, it wasn't by, it wasn't self-naming. It was named by the uh, political uh, people in uh, Antioch to identify this uh, group of uh, religious people. Um, it, it literally means little Christ, but there, there, it was as much a term of derision as it was uh, an identifier. And some people said that it's the worst thing that ever happened to the church was for followers of Jesus Christ uh, to be called uh, Christians because... Um, being called Christians, I can, uh, as, or at least in the early days, um, at least identified you with what you believed, but not how you lived and the pursuit of uh, your involvement with Christ. Remember, um, John 14 maybe gives us a, a hint as, as to why uh, the people were called uh, people of the way. John 14, Jesus is just about to go to the cross and he's uh, teaching and comforting his disciples. And at one point he says to his disciples, Look, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I may go and prepare a place for you. That if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I know that many people use this verse uh, out of its context as a um, an evangelism verse to invite people to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, but I think in context, in, in, in the the context of what Jesus was saying, he was speaking more of the fact that he is the way, and, and you follow Jesus, and you arrive at the Father uh, more than just some decision, prayer to pray. He's reflecting to them that their desired outcome of being with him and the Father uh, comes down to following him and his way, because he is the way, the truth, in the life. Uh, and, and remember, we started our discussion last week about um, Jesus and the, uh, his, his, his going around and collecting disciples. Remember, we read from Mark 1, which says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew and the brother of Simon casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. I make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, they saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, 
who were in their boats bending their nets, and immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Now, we, we said last time that it was a, as a young Christian, that was always kind of a, a magical passage to me. That Jesus walked up and just said, follow me, and these guys dropped their tools of their employment and immediately went and followed Jesus. Uh, now, we know now that uh, Jesus was part of their community, and he had known them, and, and uh, this was a part of the selection process for their, their training. Uh, but, but still, it, it identifies the, the relationship Jesus called uh, them into was one of uh, following his lead, uh, listening to his teaching, watch how he lived, watch how he res- responded to people. And their responsibility was to appropriate those insights into their life and make it a lifelong process of following him. We mentioned last time we were together that uh, we don't follow people in uh, in cars anymore because everybody has a, a, a smartphone that's got a Google Maps on it, so nobody needs anybody anymore in terms of following. In fact, I heard a little coverage yesterday on one of the news programs saying that um, the presence of cell phones in all of our lives, smartphones, iPhones, Androids, have made us um, the most informed people in the world but the most lonely people in the world. Um, but at, in the day, if you had a bunch of cars that were going to go to from one place to another, and only one person knew how to get there, uh, you'd say follow. They, they'd say follow me. And, and your responsibility as a follower was to put your eyeballs on that guy's tail light or that girl's tail light and uh, not lose track of it. Because if your mind drifted and a car got in between, you could be in for a long night of trying to follow to uh, to find try to find the the appropriate destination uh, so Jesus called these people to uh, these guys to follow him and uh, they did just that but it, it also um, in Mark 10 says he was setting out for his journey and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I always thought that was a fascinating insight into the the nature of Jesus. Uh, Messiah, God in the flesh. He looked at the sky and aware of his circumstances, aware of the conflicts in his life and the, the things pulling him in various directions, Jesus' response was to love him. And I think we need to keep that in mind when we're struggling in an area and we uh, feel uh, the the impression of God in our lives moving us one direction and we're being pulled the other direction to know that in the midst of our struggle, uh, he loves us. And he said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Now I want to look at the back part of this verse before we look at the first part of the verse. The two words that I want to uh, look at are the words follow me. Jesus was extending to this young, maybe business leader, person of substance, an opportunity to come and be on his team, to follow him. 
uh, and to embark on a lifelong journey of uh, keeping his eyes on Jesus' taillights and uh, learning from him and listening to him and watching him uh, and and expressing what he learned of Jesus' method and teaching in his, in his own life. But the roadblock Jesus knew was there was his inability to make himself available to follow, to move when Jesus moved. So he said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. Jesus' motivation to have him sell all he had and give it to the poor was so that he could be unconflicted in his pursuit as a follower of Jesus Christ. The passage goes on to say, disheartened by the same, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. So when it really came right down to it, he was unavailable to follow. So in those three passages, clearly the the um, the metaphor, the appropriate metaphor to de- define someone's relationship with Jesus Christ is to the degree to which they follow him. Not that they believe something or that they uh, attend a, a, a regular church service or that they go to church, but are they following Jesus? And I, I mentioned, I think, last time that one of the struggles that I've had as a uh, a studier of the scriptures, and this may be more because I, I came on into it rel- relatively late, at least in my environment in Oklahoma, as a late teenager. But I, I never I really settled how, in the training I went to, how we got from the the Gospels to the teachings of Paul and how we put it all in place. And I think it was we study and look together in the next few episodes, we're going to challenge us to think a little differently about the Gospels, because I really believe that we can't follow Jesus without watching him. And that takes place in the Gospels. Uh, Because if we get out of the Gospels and begin to define our relationship with Christ only in terms of what Paul said in the Epistles, or the outcome of the conflict between James and Paul in the Epistles, we come up with a uh, can't come up with a Christless um, Christianity, one in which we're no longer pursuing the ways of Jesus Christ, uh, and we're inviting people to believe something or to pray something. I was talking to someone yesterday about someone having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I said that that's we need to have that as we follow Him. But as a metaphor for our relationship with Christ, it's not a, not a biblical one. The one that's biblical is to be a follower. Because Jesus, all through his ministry, invited people to come aboard what he was doing when he invited them to follow him. At the very end of Jesus' time on earth, he goes and has a discussion with Peter. Now, if you're... Uh, new to the discussions of uh, things about Jesus and Christian things, you go to John chapter 21 and a Bible in the New Testament and and um, read about Jesus' last encounter with Peter. He does a little drill to both confront Peter with his duplicity uh, and to free him from the guilt that Peter felt. felt. Uh, but at the end of that, he, uh, he Jesus said to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk 
wherever you want it. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. That's the kind of death that Peter was going to have. Tradition holds that Peter was crucified, but when it came time to crucify Peter, he requested to be crucified upside down so they didn't share in the glory of Jesus. They didn't die the exact same way. And then the, the discussion ends with Jesus saying, and after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So what's an appropriate metaphor? A metaphor is a way of describing something. It's like all the world's a stage and the people are just players on it. The world's not a stage, but it just pictures that. And I think we need to be careful about the metaphor we use to describe our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because how we see ourselves defines how we are. And that's why we're discussing this appropriate metaphor as being followers of Jesus Christ. And if we're followers, then we've embarked on the following. So the question I'd ask all of us is, do you see yourself as someone who has got their eyes focused on Jesus Christ and seeking to be going where he's going and participate in the following. I believe that if we follow Jesus, then the end of the day we'll end up where he is. And that was what he said in John 14. Well, I hope you can come back and listen again as we get together in uh, episode number three. But for now, this is Timothy Lester saying from the Waikato Basin in beautiful New Zealand. Have a great day and follow.